All right, well, good morning. On a semi-snowy Sunday morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be finishing the message we started last Sunday. And uh, getting through that, we're talking about the Great Commission. Our theme this year is Each One Reach One. That's why we have the board out there, uh, the challenge to uh, share with us how you share your faith. And uh, so we've been talking about the Great Commission and the aspects of the Great Commission, the, the, type, the, the, the way it applies to our lives and how we can live out the Great Commission in a practical way, in a very practical way every day of our lives. Uh, that's what it is. The Bible, if you can't use the Bible practically in your life every day, then it really is just another book. But the Bible is a, a guidebook for, for our lives. It's incredibly practical. I was having a conversation with uh, somebody this week, and we were talking about that. And so, well, you know, it's, it's tough to, uh, to look at it and, and, and read the Bible and see how the Bible really works today. And I said, you have, to, you have to understand that the Bible is filled with principles on living. And when you look at it that way, when you look at it beyond the walking the dusty roads in sandals and a robe, and you look at the principles that are taught, then it's very easy to apply and the Bible becomes timeless to you. So that's what we're going to be looking at over the course of the next several months, and especially today, um, talking about different aspects of the Great Commission. We've covered two already. The third one we're on, <laughs> I'm going to finish today, it's the aspect of sustainability. If you're going to be a follower of Christ who lives the Great Commission every day, you've got to be able to sustain it. You've got to have some staying power. You've got to be able to go from uh, not, just to, not just have that one burst of speed or strength in your life. You've got to be able to sustain a life daily that honors Jesus Christ. Listen, you can, the, the, the best way, uh, you know, Chrissy told us about inviting our, our friends and neighbors, children to, uh, to vacation Bible school. I think it's a great idea. Uh, VBS is, is, is going to be a, a, a great thing to have. And inviting your friends and family and, and your neighbors and their, inviting their children is a great idea. But you know how you reinforce that invitation? By living before them every day a life that matters for Jesus Christ. By living before them every day the principles of the word of God. As we saw the Crowder video, living what is written in the red letters and beyond the red letters. Living a life that exemplifies the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, shared with you this uh, quote last week from Ravi Zacharias, beginning well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. Beginning well is a momentary thing. We know that from marriage, right? Those of us who are married, we, what, what do we call it? The honeymoon period, right? The honeymoon period's wonderful. What happens after that? How do you, how do you get from... Uh, my parents have been married over 60 years. Over 60 years. Can you imagine that? How do you get from the honeymoon period to over 60 years? You learn how to sustain it. You learn how to every day go from day to day in love. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. It's the same way in your walk with Jesus Christ. I am not going to stand here and tell you that it's peach blossoms and roses and Coca-Cola with peanuts in it, right? For those of you from the South, right? Coke with peanuts. Ever, anybody ever done that? Put peanuts in your Coke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big thing. Down, down South, out in the Midwest. It's crazy. I prefer to eat my peanuts and then drink my root beer. But um, anyway, anyway. The walk, the walk of a Christian with Jesus Christ on a daily basis is going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. There are going to be very high highs, but there's also going to be very low lows. And the way you, you go from the highs to the lows back to the moderate, whatever you want to call it, is learning how to sustain a life of faithfulness and consistency on a daily basis. Our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, 
Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul compares the life of a Christian, the walk of a Christian to a race that is to be run and not just run, but run well. A race that requires discipline and sacrifice, but most of all, a race that is run with the will to finish well. The, win, the will to finish well. He tells us that while we spend time investing our lives in others, we need to make sure that we invest in ourselves as well. Because the greatest tragedy of a Christian life would be to teach others how to live and be successful, but personally fall short and be found to not have followed the rules. To be, with some, to be someone who couldn't cut it who couldn't make it, who couldn't finish the race, to be a quitter unworthy of the reward for running. It's a difficult standard to look at and realize that it's not just about getting started. It's about continuing in the race and finishing. One of the the toughest things for me, I've been in in ministry for, geez, over, over 35 years. And I've had, I've got friends that have served and I've known all that time and they've been faithful. Some have had had great success as we would look at success with huge ministries. Others have uh, struggled along in in small churches and uh, I know missionaries around the world and they've just been faithful. But I also know those who started well and got going well, but hit some rough patches and just had to say enough is enough. And they walked away. And it's so difficult to sit down and talk with people like that, that who have, who, who have said, I've, I've had enough, I'm tapping out, I just, can't, I just can't take it anymore. It's no fun. I was talking with an individual this past week who is going to be going into ministry mar- by, by marriage. And whenever I find somebody who is preparing to go into full-time work, I, I, I feel the need to talk with them and not just tell them, oh man, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. it it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's not always wonderful. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. It's so, so difficult. And not just being in, in, in the fishbowl. It's about carrying the, burden, the burdens of other people's lives. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you are ministering to friends and family and you carry the burden of their souls on your back knowing that you are the only light of Jesus they'll ever see. The tragedy is not getting to the end and not having the the great following that you envisioned. The tragedy is getting to the end and realizing you didn't finish well. That you gave up that you could not sustain that race from the beginning to the end. So what we're talking about in this message is how to sustain it. How do you, how do you build a foundation for your life and continue the race consistently? Consistently. I remember uh, in the army uh, running PT. And I was never a very fast runner. Uh, I... I uh, I couldn't run long distances very quickly. I think the best I did while I was in the army was about a six to six and a half minute mile. And it was, man, I had never finished in the front. But I'll tell you what, when we ran all day, I was there all day. Because I couldn't run very fast, but I could run forever. I could just keep going on forever. Played soccer in high school. Yes, I did play soccer, Osvaldo, okay? It's not just a Brazilian thing. <laughs> and in soccer, you have to run. You, just, you, you run over five miles a game in soccer. And so when we'd go on those 10 and 12-mile runs or those 20-mile hikes, I'd stay with it because I had that endurance. I had, I had built that up. In my walk with Christ... That's the way I want to be. 
I may not be the fastest. I may not be the, the one that has the greatest um, effect worldwide. I may not be a Billy Graham. But when I get to the end of my road, I want to know that I had finished well and I had run well and I had sustained that, that life through the ups and downs, the struggles, through the trials, through the difficulties, I had sustained all the way through. Not that I didn't have tough times, but that I was able to sustain it. Now, we, we finished the first point last week. Uh, how do you build that foundation? How do you build a foundation? And how do you sustain that Christian walk, that powerful, uh, faithful, consistent Christian walk? The first thing we said was this. You need to find truth and avoid lies, right? Remember, we've talked a lot about that. We need to find truth and avoid lies. The most important thing to give your life to is what you truly believe in. And the, most, the, the number one thing that you will stay with throughout your life is what you believe in. Listen, we'll, we'll use the marriage analogy again. If you, have, uh, if you have true love in your marriage, and you know this is the person that you've given your heart to forever, man, you'll work to keep that marriage strong, and you'll work to keep that marriage together. Last night, posted it on Facebook, we watched the movie Instant Family. Anybody seen that? I know the Rose watched that. Movie Instant Family. It's, um, I, I wouldn't watch it with your children if you, because uh, the language is a little rough. We watched it with our boys, in the, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because it's about a couple who adopts through foster care. And the movie is an incredibly accurate portrayal of what it's like to be foster parents and foster adoptive parents. It's, it's funny, but it's brutal. And there were times, whew, just thinking about it, I get choked up. And there were times where, in the movie, things happened in that home that happened in my home, that happened in our home, that we dealt with on a daily basis, a nightly basis, just, oh, my goodness, tough, tough stuff. And there are people just like in the movie that walk away. Do you know that our boys, Gabriel and Michael, I'm sorry if I get choked up, Gabriel and Michael we weren't the first family to try to adopt them. Somebody else took them and started the transition process into their home. And they returned them like a pair of shoes. How's that work for you? How's that, how, how's that make you feel? Try having that conversation at some point in life with your boys. Yeah, somebody, somebody else wanted to adopt you but when they got to know you, they didn't want you. Listen, when we brought Gabriel and Michael into our home, I po posted that picture, the very first picture we saw of them on Facebook. We fell in love. And there was something that grabbed our hearts with our boys. Gabriel and Michael are two of the most precious little kids you'll ever meet in your life. They are, they're wonderful. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I get to be the father of these two little boys. But Gabriel and Michael are also a couple of little annoying seven-year-olds who get on my very last nerve and jump up and down on it like it's a trampoline and swing from it like it's a rope going into the river. I'm telling you, don't ask my mom and dad that question because they'll say, oh, they're perfect because they're their grandchildren. But those boys can drive me 97% to insane. I mean it. I mean it. They're absolutely crazy at times. But I would never, ever think about returning them. You know why? Because I love them. I love them more than I love life itself. Therefore, because I love them so deeply, and I know, I know, just as, just as sure as I'm standing here, I know that I was called in this life to be their father. I know that Aaron was called in this life to be their mother. I know it's a God thing. Because I know that, because I love them so much, so deeply, I will work to learn how to sustain this relationship for a lifetime. I will do what it takes to change me, to do what I can to become better as a father, more loving, more patient. 
at my age, it's not, it, you, get, you, become, you become more set in your ways when you get into your late 30s. Okay? Right? Or so. Or so, or so, or so. Keep adding on to that. Um, but I want to sustain that. My wife and I want to sustain the relationship with them so that, not so that, listen, I know, you know, everybody wants their kids to grow up, to be good citizens, to have a good job, to do this. You know what? I want, I want my boys to grow up and become functional adults knowing that they were loved just like every other kid was loved by a mom and dad. That's what I want. That's a tough call. That's a tough task with the situation that we're in. But I, I am going to do whatever I can, and my wife is going to do whatever she can, and we will work together as a family. We see a, a therapist, a psychologist once a month, and talk, just talk about the boys, and work, on, work with our psychologist on strategies of how to deal with their special circumstances. That's not fun. <laughs> it's not. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, going to see a psychologist and talking about your feelings. I'm 56. We don't talk about our feelings. Okay, right? Can I get an amen from the men that are close? Right? That's right. We, don't, we, we push those things down and we jump on a motorcycle and go for a ride. We don't talk about that. No how, no way. But I will do whatever it takes so that we can sustain as a family that relationship and be successful. If I'm going to put that much work into a relationship that matters immensely, that is going to be a pattern for me in my walk with Jesus Christ so that I can reach other people and live a life before them that matters for Jesus Christ. I find that, uh, the first, and I find that pattern begins with knowing the truth of the matter. Truth of the matter is I love my boys more than anything. I love, I love Gabriel and Michael. I love my family. So I'm going to work to sustain that. I'm going to work to build a strong foundation and build on that foundation. In my life as a Christian, in my walk with Jesus Christ, I am going to, I have found the truth. And I'm now going to build on that. And I'm going to avoid the lies. The biggest challenge we have in the Christian world today is the lies of Satan that are coming at us left and right. Left and right. It's amazing, amazing what people are coming up with and what's infiltrating the church. And we must stand against it. The second thing we've got to do, if you're going to build a sustainable life, you need to find truth and avoid lies. Secondly, you need to find courage and face your fear. You need to find courage and face your fear. If we were to take a poll or going around, go around and have people name their, not your biggest fear in life, I'm not a real fan of heights. I don't like heights that much. Um, I'm not a real fan of the open water. My dad was in the Navy for 20 years. He took videos standing on the deck of a, uh, a crew, a, a, a Navy boat during a uh, ship. Uh, <laughs> A military taxi, how's that? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, and my dad stood on the deck with a 16 millimeter camera during a typhoon. Yeah, no. No. Not gonna happen. <laughs> Insanity skips a generation in our family, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Right? My dad did, and he loved it. And he showed them. I remember one night, were you here in the church at the time when he showed that on a New Year's Eve? I got seasick. <laughs> Seriously, he's showing these videos and the ship is going up and down and up and down and my, my donuts were going up and down. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm not talking about the fear you have in life over whatever it may be. I'm talking about the fear that you have as a follower of Christ. The fear of, of, of sharing your faith, of living your faith. The fear of rejection. The fear of making, ma being made to feel or look like a fool. The fear of, of being uh, unable to defend your faith. Those are the kind of fears 
that we need to face. We need to find our courage and face our fears. The phrase, do not be afraid, is the most frequent command given in the Bible. That phrase alone, just do not, uh, do not be afraid, is given over 70 times in the Bible. And it's estimated, it depends on the translation you use, but it's over 360 times that a variation of that phrase, do not be afraid, is used throughout the Bible. So it's pretty important. Ten times, do not be afraid, is followed by, do not be discouraged. Because fear can bring discouragement, right? Fear can make us not only afraid, but discouraged. Why? Because that whole self-loathing thing comes in. Well, I should be able to do this. I should be stronger. Pastor John tells me I should be stronger. We need to fight fear with courage. It's not automatic. Not everybody is courageous. Not everybody is Iron Man, right? Not everybody is Superman. Not everybody turns and runs to a tragedy when others are fleeing it. Courage is something that you need to develop or learn and find a purpose because of. Why is it mentioned so often? Because your life, the life you'll embark on as a sincere follower of Jesus, as I said before, is not easy. It's filled with opposition. It's filled with attacks. And it takes you to places in life and situations that we don't feel suited to be in. And situations in life that make us feel incredibly uncomfortable. I've shared with you before, when this church really started growing about two years ago, uh, it just kind of took off. And uh, we, we just saw uh, just, man, people come. For, I think it was 46 weeks in a row, we had new, new guests come every week, every week. And they stayed. And our, our congregation is over 200 people. And throughout the course of a month, we have over 200 different people that come to our, our services. And it's larger than that because of the Facebook audience. And as I saw that, it kind of got me a little, a little nervous. And I said, God, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here because I don't have, I'm not qualified to be, to pastor. I've, I've always worked, I had a, a large youth ministry but I've never pastored families in a church that size. And, and as it continues to grow, I mean, we're talking about things that I've never experienced before. And I said, God, you need to you help me understand, am I the guy for this? Am I the man that you need? Because if, if you need me to step aside and somebody else come in, I'll do that. And I'm, I'll be very honest, there's a little bit of fear there. Because I don't want to be the person that makes this place go under. Right? I don't want to be the person that, that drags this down. And the person that, because I'm ill-equipped and I'm so, so uh, bullheaded that I won't step aside and let somebody else lead, that uh, causes this church to be stalled out in growth. And as I prayed about that, God brought verses to my mind and God brought encouragement and, and gave me courage. and said, John, you are the guy. You just need to learn some new things. You just need to expand your horizon. You just need to, be, to understand and, and, and go back to school and start learning. So we need to find the courage to face those times that make us feel comfortable or face the situations that we don't feel qualified for. Why, do, why is it so vitally important that we find our courage? Because if you don't find the courage to face the difficulties in life, if you don't find the courage to live the life that God has called you to live, Satan wins and people die and go to hell. I can't put it much more plainly than that. If you don't find the courage to live and sustain a walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis that matters more than just beyond your own personal devotions, then Satan wins and people die and they go to hell. Every time a believer gives up, a lost person loses. Every time a believer gives up, a lost person loses. Find your courage to stand for your beliefs, to challenge Satan's lies, to stand for what you know in your heart to be true. Find the courage to fight for the lives of the lost. That's what it boils down to. Being able to sustain your walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis 
boils down to you finding the courage to be the witness that you need to be. Oh, well, I think it's more about my relationship with Jesus. Listen, if you weren't, if you, if it wasn't your purpose to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you accepted him as your savior, he would have taken you directly to heaven. Okay. There's a purpose and a reason why you're still here. And that reason is to help build the kingdom of God. Yes. Growing. And that's what we're talking about. Growing yourself in your faith, learning, becoming stronger in your faith, finding your courage. How do you find your courage? By digging into the word of God, by learning what the Bible says and appropriating those principles to your life, showing yourself that I can trust him. I can believe in him. Listen, what I believe is not crazy. It's not out the window. It's not, it's not uh, silly stuff. It's true. Joshua 1, 9 says, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter what you do during your day, no matter where you go, you may feel alone and left out by everybody, but he is always with you. And he says, I will sustain you. I will be your portion. I will be your comfort in the sad times. I'll be your refreshment by the stream of living water. I will take you through the dark times, and be your strength and your shield. I will never leave you. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Those are powerful verses. See, you dig into the word of God and you find out what he wants to be for you what he wants to become in your life, what he wants to build within you, what he wants to teach you. And then you take those lessons and you apply them to your life so that you will grow and be strong and be firm and be immovable as a believer, as a follower of Christ. And that's how you build that courage. And that's how you learn that I can sustain this. I can go on to the next day. You know what I found? To follow up on, on the, uh, the, the personal stuff I just told you, I found that as I, as I broadened my horizons and as I opened my eyes and prayed to God and asked him, incorporated James 1.5 and asked him for wisdom in my life, that he started connecting me with people that I could learn from. He started me to connecting me with uh, articles and books and he started teaching me himself how to be a better leader. And you know what else he did? He taught me it's okay to let go. It's okay to allow other people to lead and do things. The children's ministry is part of our student ministries. Um, That is like three layers removed from me. I, children, handling the children's issues, Bob, is you're the one that has to deal with your wife. Okay? All right? Our assistant pastor, you pray for our assistant pastor and his wife, Zach, and, and Tiffany. I asked him to take a couple weeks off. Zach, if you don't, if you don't know, Zach has um, early onset Parkinson's. And as his father, I watch him and I see how that wears him down. And I've been noticing that. Uh, so I said, please, I want you to take a couple weeks off, get away from the stress of it all. And uh, so they, he'll be gone for a couple weeks. Um, wasn't happy about it, but, but uh, I'm his dad first. Um, but um, Zach is over student ministries. That's one of his responsibilities, okay? And uh, I said, okay, you, you handle, handle that. And then we needed to bring on somebody who could handle children because it was getting beyond his, um, his Zach's a teen guy, a, a, a teen ministry guy, not a children's ministry guy. And so Chrissy took over and I've had to say, look, you guys do your thing. If you need me, let me know. I want to be apprised of what's going on, but I'm not going to get involved in the daily operation of that children's ministry. I don't, Bob Bob heads up, he he runs the worship team. And I don't tell them, we don't don't talk about what to sing. Every once in a while, if I have a song, not that I want to sing, but that I want us to sing as a congregation, um, I might mention something, but they handle that. I tell them on Sunday morning, you tell me when it's my turn. Point to me. You know, I don't, I, I don't 
I wouldn't know what to do back there in that sound booth. So I've learned to let go of things and allow, stop worrying about the things that other people can do and do what I've been called to do. In your life, you need to start asking God, if you want to learn how to sustain this walk with Jesus Christ, God, what is it? You said you're my strength. You said you're my portion. You said you're my stronghold in life. Show me how you want to be that. And show me in my life what I need to change so that you can be that. Some of you, you're your own stronghold. Some of you, you are your own, you're, you're what you rely on. Well, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this and I can do that. Okay. You will never sustain a, a, an effective walk with Jesus Christ if you rely on your own strength if you rely on your own wisdom and own abilities, it's not going to happen. You have got to learn to trust in him and lay your abilities at his feet and say, use me as you will. Show me how you want me to get through that. Isaiah 41 verses 10 through 13. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold, you, uh, hold, on, to, uh, I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. You will look for those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you will become absolutely nothing. For I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. <laughs> How do you build courage? By trusting God's promise that he will help you. You don't need to fear. You don't need to be afraid. He will take care of you. He will walk with you through the, through the struggles, through the difficulties. When nobody else believes in you, he does. When nobody else will be in your corner, he will be. He will always be there for you. When everybody, he, he says it, man. When people are, are so angry with you, that they just want to keep attacking and just want to keep going after you. If you are willing to follow me and put your trust in me, I will sustain you. I will teach you how to have the endurance that you need to do what you need. Hey, man, we're talking even at work, right? We're talking in the home. When, when those relationships are crumbling, when those relationships are grinding on every last nerve of yours, when that coworker who just keeps trying to under, I know this doesn't happen to anybody, right? But sometimes I've heard of it happening, that people have coworkers that want to undercut them and take the credit, right? And of course, if that did ever happen to you, you'd be just fine with it because it's much better for somebody else to get that raise or that promotion rather than you after you've done all the hard work or you've done all the groundwork to, to get something done in the city and somebody else swoops in and takes the credit, right? We're all okay with that. Eh, not so much. Those are the kind of things that get that anger welling up inside us. God says, man, when people are attacking you, lean on me because I will sustain you even in the difficult times. Third thing you have to do if you're going to build a life of a sustainable walk with Jesus Christ is find endurance and don't quit. Find endurance and don't quit. One of the hardest things to do is to build up a good habit, right? To build a good habit into your life, to make a positive change that is better for you. That's why um, New Year's resolutions last until February. Because it's very hard. I've never heard anybody say, in a new, I'm making a New Year's resolution this year. I want to be the absolute worst person the world has ever seen. I want to gain 300 pounds this year. Right? I want my health to go so far down the tubes that I have to move into a nursing home. Right? Nobody ever makes those kind of, uh, of New Year's resolutions. It's all about, oh, this year is going to be my year. Right? 
This is the year that I'm going to finish my degree. This is the year that I'm going to lose those extra 10 pounds. This is the year that I'm going to be in the gym five days a week and, and uh, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to do this and I'm going, yeah, but it doesn't happen for most people because it's difficult to make even a positive change that you know is good for you. Listen, I know. I know I'll be healthier if I lose these last 30 pounds. I've lost 70 pounds. I've got 30 more to go. <laughs> and I know I'll be much healthier if I lose those last 30 pounds. But I've got to tell you, man, a cheeseburger is just too good. <laughs> Seriously. Who invented these things? Superman has kryptonite. I have double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> Sorry, man. Just the way it is. So in my warped thinking, I do an extra 20 minutes on the arc trainer at the gym, and that makes up for it. Right? It's so difficult to make those positive changes in life. But if you're going to continue, and, that, and that's true with our faith, because in Christian circles, many of us, we make those New Year's resolutions about reading my Bible every day. Right? This is the year I'm going to read the Bible through from cover to cover. It, it, that's tough. That's tough. Especially when you get around to Leviticus. Leviticus is, is the, the Bermuda Triangle of Christian reading Bible programs, right? Get to Leviticus and it all goes downhill quickly. It's difficult to make even a positive spiritual change. But if you are going to sustain this walk with Jesus Christ, as a church, if we are going to sustain this growth and sustain the ministry and continue to reach out and continue to reach new families and continue to reach the lost, if that's going to happen, we have got to learn new ways and find the endurance. And, and the way you become a person of endurance is to find new ways to live your life to find ways to, th things that need to be gotten rid of and find things that need to be added to your life. Positive things. And let me tell you, man, one of the, one of the <laughs> if you want to be a sustainable Christian, one of the very first things beyond reading your Bible every day and praying is making sure that every Sunday you're in church. Fact of the matter. I know we have Facebook that you can lean on. It's a wonderful tool to bring people in here. But this is where you should be every Sunday. This is family. This is where we find our sustainability. This is where we get together and encourage each other, where we make those connections and build those relationships that help us through the difficult times. Talk to some of our people here in the church and, and ask them who has helped them through their tough times over the last two or three years. Just, just pick a family and you'll find somebody who is connected with somebody in this church who has helped them get through the difficult times. It works. It works. Find, making changes and doing things uh, that, that build up your sustainability instead of tearing it down is important. You've got to find endurance and don't quit. This life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Rick Warren says, integrity is built by defeating the temptation to be dishonest. Humility grows when we refuse to be prideful. And endurance develops every time you reject the temptation to give up. Endurance is built every time you you develop, uh, you, you defeat the temptation or reject the temptation to give up. Happens every time. Happens every time. When I, when I you know how I, I got to be a guy who could, who could run those, who could keep going in a, in, a, in a run? And not everybody could. The reason I got there is because I made myself understand you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. Where did I get that? I got that from that man sitting back there in the back row who made me, as the youngest kid of four, finish every game that my brutal, nasty siblings 
would beat me at just because they wanted to pad their statistics as great players of whatever it was. I was an easy mark. I'm just kidding. But no, my dad, my dad and mom would not let us give up. If we were getting smacked around in a game, if we're playing Monopoly, and, and I, I didn't play Monopoly, but if you're getting beat bad in Monopoly or whatever it was, we were not allowed to quit. Now, you may think that's child abuse today, but what it taught me as a kid was that if I start something, I need to finish it. If I start, I need to finish. There's no giving up. There's no quitting. You do not have to be the best, but you need to have the character to endure and do what it takes to finish the job you've taken on and committed to. One of the worst things you could do, Jesus said this, he says, you, nobody who putting their hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Before, he says, before you sit down to build, before you build a tower, sit down and count the cost. Because the worst thing is to start it and not finish it. Because you'll be a laughing stock among everybody. One of the worst things you can do in a church is commit to do something and not follow through. Because you leave that church in a lurch now. And that's, that's with anything. So find endurance and don't quit. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. After. The reward comes after the faithfulness. The reward comes after the action of faith and trust. God will bless you because of what you did, not because of what you want to do. <clears throat> It may just take a lifetime of faithfulness to reach someone. Philip Brooks says, I do not pray for a lighter load, but a stronger back. I don't pray for a lighter load. I pray for a stronger back. James 1.12, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has, found, he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Isaiah 40.31, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen, you want to know how to, how to find endurance? You want to know how to be, be able to sustain this walk with Jesus Christ? Get into his word. Apply the scriptures. Appropriate the principles and the promises that God has given you to sustain you through the difficult times. Just try it once, man. Just try it. I guarantee you, if you'll lean on him, if you'll find somebody in your church, to, to, or somebody in your life who is a godly Christian who will help you, who will commit to, to discipling you or teaching you or praying with you or praying for you, I guarantee God will show you his faithfulness. And it may not be easy, but it will be easier. The load may not be light, but it will be lighter. And lastly, you need to find resolve and quiet your doubts. Find resolve and quiet your doubts. Listen, endurance is important, but if you don't have the resolve to finish, then endurance is nothing but potential. If you don't have the resolve to finish, no matter what, then it's just nothing but potential. Many lives sit ruined for Jesus Christ, filled with the potential of doing something special but because they didn't have the resolve to keep moving forward, to not quit no matter what, to never give up, to quiet their doubts. And they will come, don't get me wrong, doubts will come. Some of you are sitting here this morning looking at me saying, I could never do that, right? You're saying, that's, listen, Pastor John, that's great for you, but you're not me. You don't have my background, you don't have my history, you were raised by godly parents. You were raised in a Christian home. You're a healthy person. You're this, you're that, you're the other thing. You know what I am? I'm a child of God. And I'm a person that appropriates to the best of my ability, but not the best I can because I'm always trying, but someone who appropriates the teachings of the word of God to my life because I want to be better. And I'm someone who has resolved in my life that because of all that has been invested in me, 
but I am not going to let that investment go to waste. I'm not going to be perfect. There's no way I'm ever going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. Hang around with me for an afternoon. And you'll, you'll see a guy that, that trips over his own shoelaces. I'll make mistakes left and right. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to finish this race. Listen, when the day comes, if the day comes, that I'm not able to continue pastoring New Life Church, if my health gives out, if something happens and I'm not able to still be here, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to keep moving forward. I'm still going to try to do the best I can do to honor him with my life. No matter what I lose in this life, I'm going to move forward. Oh yeah, what are you talking about, Pastor John? You don't know what loss is. I do. I do. Aaron is my second wife. My first wife left while I was here as the pastor. I know what loss is. I know what that's about. And I've determined in my life that nothing is going to stop me from serving God. Nothing at all. Not the greatest heartbreak you'll ever feel. Not the greatest difficulty you'll ever go through. Not the toughest road you'll ever walk. Listen, I know we all have struggles in our life. I know we all have tough times. And I'm not belittling anything. Please don't get me wrong. But there is nothing in this world that compares to the honor and the glory of serving Jesus Christ in a, in a positive, powerful way and seeing lives changed for the kingdom of God. I am the most blessed man you'll ever meet in your life. God has replaced in my life uh, an amazing wife who just, she's the coolest person I've ever met in my life, man. She's quirky. She walks to the beat of her own drum. And she's just fun. And Gabriel and Michael, as I've said it before, it's like having two Zacks. And that was a good thing. <laughs> I'm blessed. And beyond that, I'm the pastor of New Life Church. This church. And I'm seeing God do a work in the area where I grew up that I wasn't sure would ever happen. And I'm watching people's lives change. And I'm watching people grow in their faith. And I'm watching generations now learn to follow Jesus Christ. It's awesome. And I've resolved in my life that nothing is going to stop me from following Jesus Christ. What about you? I know, I know, I know, man. Life's tough. I know health issues are there. I know attitudes are there. I know, listen, in a church this size... I know that there are people that you just can't handle and people that can't handle you. It's just the way it is. We're human beings. But I also know this. There is at least one person in this church that you will be able to connect with and identify with and become a strong team with for serving Jesus Christ. You'll never know that unless you resolve to get involved unless you resolve that you're going to continue down that road until you find that person and then continue even farther. Make up your mind to go forward no matter what. Philippians 3.8. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. Don't find your value in the opinion of others. Find your value in the life that you live for Jesus. Don't find your value in the opinion of others. If you find your value in what other people think about you, you will always chase the approval of others. I can honestly say, in my life, I, don't, I really don't care what people think of me. Except my wife. I want my wife to love me. I want my boys to like being around me. Don't get me wrong. And I'm talking beyond those kind of... I'm saying, listen, I know you, you say I'm a pastor of a church. There is a, a visible reaction to people and a, an auditory reaction. People, all of a sudden, they change how they speak. 
That's the way it is. I've had more apologies for uh, language than anything. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I am not going to change who I am or what I do because of what people think about me. I truly am more concerned about whether I honor Jesus Christ in everything I do and whether I follow his path. Don't let the opinion of others give you your value. Find your value in a life that you live for Jesus Christ. Close it out with Acts 20, verse 24. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. What is your purpose? What sustains you? Do you have anything? Have you found anything in your faith that sustains you, that will get you from today to tomorrow, that will get you from Monday to Tuesday, and will bring you back here next Sunday? Is there something that you have found in your faith that will sustain you? Do you know your purpose? Do you find value in fulfilling the purpose to which you've been called? Christian, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. If we're going to get to the end, finishing well, we've got to, th- got to find what will sustain us through the great times and through the difficult times and through the mediocre times. Something that will give you a reason to get up in the morning and lay your head down at night and say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house. Thank you for these people who, uh, who really, Lord, braved the, uh, the elements today to get out here. Kind of got a little nasty there for a while. And I thank you that <clears throat> these were able to make it. Thank you for those who were watching us that weren't able to get out. Father, I ask that we'll find something in your word, something in your promises to hold on to that will sustain us, that will get us from point A to point B. Because God, your word tells us that we grow from exercise of faith to exercise of faith. And if we'll put our faith in you for this and you prove yourself, then it'll give us the strength and the courage to go to the next step. Sustain us, Lord, and show us how to connect with you so that we will find the reasons to be sustained. As we go from here today, would you protect us? Would you give us grace and comfort and peace? Lord, may we find another reason to fall in love with you. Bless us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.